Welcome to Word of God Broadcast with Pastor Opie Swells from Multitudes Church in Laurenburg, North Carolina. Our prayer is that your heart would be like moistened soil, ready to receive the seed from God's Holy Word. Now, today's message. Back many, many years ago, when I was a little boy, Growing up in, really, East Rockingham, there would be sometimes in a church service where they would have what you call a testimony service. Anybody know what that is? Yeah. Um, the older I got, especially as a preacher, good when they amen you upstairs too, ain't it? I love that. Hey, when a child knows what a testimony service is, you're in a good place. And I got uh, called into the ministry. I would think about them testimony services. Um, and I know a lot of times the people enjoyed that, but I wondered did the preacher enjoy it more because he didn't have to preach? I always wondered that. We're going to have a testimony service Wednesday. We're going to have a testimony. Nothing against it or anything like that unless that's, that's the motivation. But one of the things that always would be said during a testimony service, those of you that's been there, you're going to amen this. Somebody would say either at the very beginning or somewhere toward the end of or at the very end of the testimony, they would say, and I thank God today that I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what they would say. There's so much I could say about all of that, many, many messages to preach about all of those things, but there's something that God is really going to have to pray for me today now. Um. Laid on my heart about that. I'm telling you, you're in a good place too when, when, when the music falls out too. The only thing left is the people. But there's something in the middle, in the middle, that I think is lost or maybe kind of uh, not really talked about anymore. We hear a lot about salvation and we should. We even hear a lot about uh, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, being baptized in the Spirit. There's a lot of that, and you got you 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 have to have that in order to uh, confront the devil uh, at many junctures, if not all, in life. You can't just be saved, and I understand that you've you've got to walk in the power of the Spirit, because it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, the Lord said. So I say that. But the word sanctified is a lost word in the world today, in the church especially. And I'll be the first person to tell you that that word has some negative, uh, I guess some negative advertisement because, number one, people would make it a doctrine and say that it's a, second work of grace and all that. There might be some type of truth, tr truth in that, 
But really, sanctification just simply means set apart or set aside. That's what that means for an exclusive purpose or use. And all throughout the Bible, well, let me, let me say this before I move on. I don't believe that you really can be filled with the Spirit to an overflowing capacity until you understand and you practice and you live out sanctification. I don't think that the Spirit of the living God will dwell in an unclean temple. I don't think He will. So, I've said I can't say all that, but I have to just at least make mention of that. But all throughout the Bible, about everything you read in the Bible says that it was concerning and pertaining to God, it was sanctified. For instance, God's priests are sanctified. Leviticus 11.44, you read a lot about it in Leviticus. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy. For I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing or cre that creepeth upon the earth. But also, God's Sabbath, Sundays, God's Sabbath is sanctified. Deuteronomy 5 says this, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. That means, you know, again, set it aside, set it apart, make it special, make it exclusive. As to the Lord thy God, as he has commanded you. But also, God's name is sanctified, church. Ezekiel said, and we just looked at Ezekiel last week, but over in the 36th chapter, he said, and I will sanctify, God said, my great name, which was profane, means it wasn't sanctified and set apart. It wasn't anything special or holy among the heathen, which ye have profaned uh, during them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified, the heathen will know. They will come to a knowledge. They will come to a realization. They will know that he is the Lord God, the Father says here, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. So it's not just saying I'm a Christian. It's not just saying I really feel strong about my church. It's the actual identification that we all have to have for the world, the unbelieving heathen to know that he really is the Lord because look what he's done in that life right there. And you can't do that by being a name-only person. And did you know that until you are sanctified and you live a sanctified life. By the way, I'll say this as a footnote. This will be controversial to people that the right people, wrong people get a hold of it. You can't list sanctification in a, in a book of bylaws or teachings or covenant. You can't do it because it's something that the Spirit does every day. I was in a church like that that listened to that, but it didn't have anything in there about sanctifying yourself from gossip or an ungodly tongue. So, but the Spirit, the Bible says, God will convict you of that. So, until 
we are fully sanctified. Like I just said, we send mixed signals to the world. We do. Because they hear one thing, but then they, they see another or they witness another. So we, we sin when, when we say we are a Christian or we have titles in church, but in the world's eyes, they don't see that transformation that causes me to not just say I am, but see that I am set apart. They don't really pay it no attention. And that's why the, the world is not hungry for the water and the Word of God anymore because they can't see set-apart, sanctified vessels of God anymore. They don't even know the difference between a Christian and a sinner anymore. So, sanctifi uh, sanctification really does its own advertising. You don't even have to say, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Because, buddy, if you are, it will be as obvious as a neon sign. It will be. You can't shut it off. You can't unplug it. You can't dim it when you're around certain people or certain things. It, I mean, it's beaming, burning all the time. When I'm sanctified, God's glorified, and, and, and just people know that. Ezekiel said back in the 28th chapter, verse 22, as a matter of fact, and say, thus saith the Lord, God, behold, I am against thee, O Zidon, and I will be glorified in the midst of thee, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I shall have executed judgments in her and shall be sanctified in her. They'll know again. So we keep hearing this theme running throughout at least this prophet right here for today, that people know when something is sanctified, people know that. And in fact, somebody here might be saying, well, I understand about being saved, but, but how do I do that? Jesus said this. You just got to stay in the Word. In John 17, 17, he said this. Sanctify them, he was praying to the Father, through thy truth. Your word is truth. We just got off a 23-day, maybe, maybe hopefully, prayerfully, you didn't get off of it, a 23-day journey of looking at where we are with our God time compared to our word, world time, rather. If you don't remember, I saved one of these sheets just to re remind you of something that was like a homework sheet about three weeks ago, four weeks ago now. And all it, all it was, whether you filled it out or not, it was an awareness to make me aware of how much time I invest in letting the world pump me full of poison and I let me, uh, and I let, or allow myself to be pumped full of the power of God through the Word of God or the things that pertain to God. And so when I, Jesus said this, the more I'm in the Word, the more that I'm going to find that that sanctification process is an ongoing thing in my life because you know what the Word does? Again, it cuts. It's a double-sided sword. And it's always, 
healing, but church, it's always revealing to me through the power of the Spirit. I love the Word. Thy Word, you know it. Say it if you want to. Thy Word have I, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So when I am a student of the Word, drive through this morning, I played the whole chapter of where I'm about to go, uh, 2 Chronicles 29, this morning in the drive-thru. I wanted to hear it again. I've read it and read it and read it, but I wanted to hear it again. The more you have it in you, the more it's able to help you. That's why the devil does everything he can to keep you down to maybe one little verse for 18 seconds in the morning or a little devotion, and then that's it for 24 solid hours. So, if you're wondering how can I do it, the word, the word, the word will get you to where we are talking about right now. Now, over in the second uh, Chronicles, chapter 29, one of my favorite Old Testament messages that I've heard a couple of preachers preach. And it's in the 29th chapter of us, as I said. And it's about Hezekiah uh, when we talked about the God time and word time, world time, we talked about Haggai and how when all the people listened and obeyed and repented and did what they were supposed to, the Lord stirred the spirit up in them and they began to work in the house of God. You, you just, it's, it's a surefire formula that works. But in this chapter right here, we have Hezekiah that is a God-fearing king. And I, I just, I want to read instead of kind of summarizing. So we're going to go through a, fir, a few verses, and, and then we're going to stop here along verse 7 maybe. Hezekiah, and I want you to read along with me. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 22. Nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, and the daughter of Zechariah is who he was. Uh, or he did what was right, verse 2, in the sight of the Lord. Who do you have your sight set on? He did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. In the first year, you remember how we started out day one? Did anybody pay attention when we did that the other week? Day one and day 23? All right. Kind of the same thing again. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square and said to them, hear me, Levites. Here's the first order of business with them. He's already fixed the doors. Now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord your God, your fa of your fathers, and carry out the rubbish or trash from the holy place. See, it, be it had become a dumping ground, literally where people just dropped off their trash, people didn't care anymore, no respect. For our fathers have 
trespassed and they've done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken him and have turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. They've also shut up the doors of the vestibule and put out the lamps and have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place of the Lord our God. And then he goes on to say, if you keep reading, that that God's wrath, verse 8, was kindled against the people of Judah and they have uh, suffered loss. You can relate this to this world right now and what maybe a lot of people feel like is going on in their own life. Suffered loss. Men died by the sword. And around verse 10, Hezekiah goes on to say, it's in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord because this has gone on long enough. How many of you just get to a point where you just say enough's enough? I need to do whatever I need to do to get things where they need to be again. I'm there. I don't know if anybody, and don't care. I want you to. I don't care if nobody else is there. I am there. Hear me this morning. God, whatever I need to do, and then whatever I need to do in the position I'm in and we need to do, just show me, Lord, because this thing's got to turn around about right now. And I mean right now. So it was in his heart to make a covenant with the Lord his God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. And then he says, my sons, don't be negligent. Don't ignore the Lord has chosen you to stand before him to serve him and that you should minister to him and burn incense. So God, again, church, this is a broken record that keeps on repeating itself. God has saved you. God has spared you with the cuts, the bumps, the bruises, the warts, the hurts, and all the anxiety you could ever want and not want. God has still kept your heart beating because you are his priests, you are his ministers, you are his flames of fire that need to be about his business in this last hour we're living in. So, and our job is not to just do that, but to, to burn the incense, to be, a, to be a blessing to the Lord. I'm tired of always feeling like I'm a burden to the Lord because everything's broken around me. I want it to turn around. I do that through the Word, but I want to be a blessing to the Lord, you see. So he told them all of this, and then verse 15, he tells them this. He gathered all the brethren, their brethren, and sanctified themselves the Levites, priests, they gathered their brethren, rather, and they sanctified themselves, and they went according to the commandment of the king at the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. I know you've heard the scripture before or it preached or mentioned that holiness begins at the house. There you go. And I'll just say this because it's on my heart to say it right now and not prior to right now, so I know I'm supposed to say it right now. Never expect anybody's house to be any holier than the church they attend. 
And that's why preaching is so important to me every week. That's why worship is so important to me every week. That's why prayer is so important to me. Because if, if I don't take it serious, if we don't conduct serious worship and serious preaching and serious praying and serious giving and serious serving, it's not going to happen in your house. Because you are what you are, what you eat, and you eat what you are fed. So they sanctified all their brethren so that they could do the work that God had called them to do, which is clean the house of the Lord. And then verse 16 says, Then the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all of the debris, or can I say debris? Okay, I won't. Trash that they found in the temple of the Lord to the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it out and carried it to the brook Kidron. Now they began to sanctify on the first day. This is important, church. Of the first month. And on the eighth day of the month, they came to the vestibule of the Lord, so they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days, and on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. Now, you've heard of the show Hoarders before. If you want to do that at your house, I ain't eating nothing you got. I'm sorry. But that's your business. But, man, it's bad when it takes seven days to haul off trash and junk because people have no respect nor care for the house of a holy God. Don't care how immaculate it is or how small and dingy it may appear to the world. If it's the house of the Lord, it's a holy place. It ought to be treated with so much dignity. This is a great time for me to give a shout out for the people who take it upon themselves uh, once a month at least. They dip four teams every, and they come and clean the house of the Lord. I praise God for you. I thank God for you. you I don't take you for granted, I bless God because I detest going into any church, and I've been in many throughout my life, of any size where it stinks, it's dingy, it's nasty looking, the toilets smell like they've been abandoned, I can't stand it, where it looks like children's hands prints on everything, but you walk in their house and it's like I don't know what, but let me tell you something, church. I believe that cleanliness is right there with godliness. I believe that. And apparently God does too because that's exactly what we're reading right now. Seven days. That tells you just how bad the trash was. But I want to stop and say this. How much trash over time? Not candy wrappers or cups or stuff we don't need at home, but how much trash have we brought in our minds and our hearts into the church over the years? How many bitter spirits? How many negative attitudes? How many ungodly thoughts have we piled up and piled up and piled up over the years? 
I wonder if it take longer than seven days to get that out. The Bible says they did all of this. Then after they did all of this, they began to sacrifice. You, can, you, you need to read it later. They sacrifice all kind of lambs and animals to God. You see, you, and this is just the Holy Ghost again, and I bless God for this. But you see, there was one time you and I were commanded in Scripture. If you know your brother's got an ought against you, I'm telling you, this is fresh from the lips of God right now. If you know your brother's got an ought against you, and you, you're coming to the altar to present your gift, God says, don't do that. There's some trash needs to be dealt with. Because I'm not going to do anything with that gift you bring. That service that you perform and you call it ministry, I'm not going to bless it. I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything with it. So you might as well just leave it right there and go sanctify yourself by taking some trash out, getting that out of you, cleaning that, mending the fence. Then come and we'll... That's what I just read to you. I said after they sanctified themselves... Then they were able to sacrifice to God, which brings me to the point, it matters how you arrive to church on Sunday mornings. I'm not going to get into a list because I will sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I can't name all the examples. But you don't need to pull up listening to KML and everything else and allowing your children to watch or listen to everything then bounce out of a car and then come in here and sing, I exalt thee. It don't work that way. Now you know why people don't preach about sanctification no more, don't you? And I'm not, I'm not even there yet. And I'm going to say this before I forget about it. Where I will be in just a minute, three weeks, it has been on my mind. I'm not saying I have avoided it, but I, Reggie can even vouch for me that last week, I said, Reggie, I'm probably going to need a prop today if you can help me with that. Last minute, God says, no. No, you don't need that this week. So... I take this thing serious, church. I listen right up until the last minute I walk out here, and then I still listen because he's going to tell me something I didn't study. It's already happened two or three times. So it really matters if you're set apart, if you're sanctified, and that's what happened here. After they got them right, then they could get this right. They could get the worship right. See, God, God can't use it. A broken spirit, contrite heart. That's what God's looking for. That's the sign of a sanctified person that's not up for grabs depending on the circumstances or the circle or the mood I'm in at the moment. A sanctified vessel is one that is set apart. They did it. You can read about David and everybody else. They set it apart. They said, this is sanctified. Sometimes it would be in the enemy's camp. If we keep reading, we'll read about Ahaz, I believe, the king who had taken all of the things that should have been used for God. 
They were forsaken, possibly used for worldly reasons, and they went and got all of those things that says, no more. These belong to God. They sanctified those things, and they said, this is only to be used for God. Now, it's going to fall, and I don't care, but you get the point. You cannot take your life, your vessel, they could not take a trumpet and honky-tonk it six days a week and then come in here and be all glory, glory, hallelujah, look at me, hear me, and God, you just need to sit back and enjoy this because he don't. You have to be, if it's going to be for the world, there's not many rules. But if it's going to be for a holy God, it's got to be for him, to him, all the time or no time. And the quicker the body of Christ gets that, the better off they'll be. So they would sanctify things, all kind of utensils, all kind of instruments. And don't think that somebody said, well, we're going to go up here because it's... uh, It's really trending right now on TikTok, and we're going to use it just to play a song or two for Baal. And then then we'll get looked at. We'll get liked a lot. You didn't do that. You don't desecrate a holy God or things that are dedicated to God. That's why the Bible says, you might want to listen to this if you're having a problem with sanctified, because if it's set apart for God, God went on to say in another passage, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. So a lot of sanctified people may be doing a lot better than some unsanctified people in the middle of a storm right now. You want to be set apart, then set yourself apart and quit thinking that you're set apart. I'm not preaching at you like being mean and ugly and all that. I'm just telling you what the rules are that the the rule maker said. And guess what? I have to apply them myself because I don't want to preach out of an unsanctified vessel because you will not be benefited one bit and he certainly won't be glorified. So I'm not going to go out here and get invited to speak at a a Rotary Club meeting. Not talking about the Rotary Club here, but I'm just saying something in the world and just kind of say something like, or or use some kind of slang term just because it'll make people laugh and all that. I'm not doing that. I have made a decision to not just be saved in name and say, well, I'm a pastor, so I've got a few... uh, mulligans that God will let me buy with and and I can get by and live on the edge sometime. No, I'm not flirting with sin. I don't try to see how close I can get to the world. But I'm set apart. I'm God. I'm only his. And God every day sanctify my mind. I sanctify my body. I sanctify the decisions I made. And God help me sanctify uh, my focus right now. And so they did all of this. They did all the sanctifying. They did all the sacrificing. And then, like you and I, sometimes when you sanctify yourself, it's going to require some cleaning up. 
And I told you just a moment ago that three weeks ago, God dealt with me about this. And it was today. At about, I think we were coming around the traffic circle. Back here at five points, about maybe 20 to nine last night. If it was not confirmed for me before now, it was then. And I'm going to say something that it is so offensive now in this church. But I need for you to really listen today and disregard your flesh. But this thing right here is called a television. All right? There's a place in the back for a cable. There's all kind of components that you can hook up to it. Everything from a... a DVD player, phone, different things. This thing has the ability to allow everything from scripture to pornography to gambling to, um, well, anything you could think of, really. And this thing right here is called a cell phone, right here. And there's a lot of people in this church. You are addicted to this right here. And you are addicted to this right here. Many of you listening that don't even live in the United States, I'm holding up my phone right now. You are addicted to it. And... If you are not very careful, I'm under the anointing and the authority of the Holy Ghost right now. If you are not careful, it is literally going to be the death of you. If there's anything within the body of Christ that people absolutely can't do without, they cannot resist. Any type of social media, the phone, just hours upon hours upon hours in front of a television and a phone. There's nothing else to do. You are a liar. People are dying and going to hell while you say there's nothing to do. There's a Bible that you could memorize and change the world for Jesus Christ. There is, if you want to use it, there are scores of people you could text and say, Jesus loved you, and I just called your name out in prayer. And I'm telling you again, by the power of God, that you need to be sanctified. You need to set you apart. You need to set it apart because you don't realize what it's already done. I know it. I'm the pastor. I'm the shepherd of the sheep. I know it. It's a bad thing, church, and it requires, it requires you to be more vigilant than the devil is, and that's going to be very difficult because he's sly, he's smooth, he's very cunning, 
He knows how to do it. He knows how to appeal to what you think you need that can only be met through these two items right here. I never thought when I was a teenager and a young preacher that I would be preaching against the TV because all the old timers used to preach it when there was nothing really wrong on there but maybe Elvis Presley and uh, I don't know Donna Reed or, or, or Gunsmoke my goodness alive and people used to preach against that and tell people this wrong well I'm telling you right now it is literally slap full of the devil and all of his cohorts now let me tell you and you don't have to clap today because I want you to hear this right here he comes everything uh, he comes in on everything from TV shows well I don't watch them kind you watch commercials and again this is one of them places you watch the news you watch primetime television you watch, you watch, you watch, you watch. You scroll, you scroll, you scroll, you scroll. You look, you look, you look, you look. And you know what? When this was done three, four weeks ago, this right here was nowhere on the planet to me, church. But see, God knows how to order steps. God knows how to order things. I told you, this is why people don't preach on sanctification, by the way. It's a hard subject. See, used to, I'm going to go back to my childhood, and I'm going to finish. I'm telling you I'm finishing now. People, a lot of people didn't have an education back then. They worked in mill hills. They made $35 a week, or later on, they might have made up to $80 or $100 a week. Some of you that are older than me can just, you can vouch for this too. They didn't, but when they got saved, Joe appreciate they got paper Bible they got really saved. And when they got sanctified, they quit everything that didn't look like the Bible. They didn't do it because they didn't. I knew you wasn't sanctified. They did everything prior to getting saved, but when they got sanctified, and they said they were sanctified. They were labeled because they had buns on their head. They wore skirts. They didn't wear makeup. And I know there's extremes, and you can get into legalism and all that. But I'm telling you, there was a great majority of them that they lived like they looked. And when they prayed for you, they prayed for your family. They prayed for your children. They prayed about your job. They prayed about your marriage. Things moved, church. Things moved. People got saved when they prayed for drunks. They got delivered, I'm telling you, because they were saved and they were sanctified. And when they spoke, God heard them and God moved. But we don't need that anymore, and I know that. I know that. Because, see, thanks to all my fellow brother preachers all across the world, They've kind of done away with that because, you know, the, the church is widely accepted in the world now because we're, we're no longer offensive to the world. We're not offensive to the world. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to, to be an offense. He said, if this rock hits you, it's going to hurt you. That's what Jesus said. And I just think it's time... For me and you, you may not have a problem. 
You may not spend on, and it's not isolated to this, but there are things in my life that if I stood before God today and all God wanted to talk to me about was how much out of 24 hours he blessed me with, I spent with the world, I spent indoctrinated, you're indoctrinated. Everything outside of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is operated and it's mandated and it's owned and it's manipulated by Satan and his cohort. Everything outside of the preaching of the word of God. I don't care, and I've told you many times, I don't care how good the organization is, at the root of everything, Satan is there. Everything, at the root of everything, Satan is there because he has the power over the air, over everything that goes on in the spiritual realm. He has it for now. And the only thing that the gates of hell for two weeks in a row won't prevail against is the church. And the church is a sanctified group, not a place that's got a steeple on the front and people just feel good because they go there once a week. And that's happening uh, thousands and hundreds and possibly millions of times right now. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, what? What? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God? And, and, and you, you are not your own. You're not your own. You're not your own. He bought you. He paid for you. He bled for you. You're not your own. God's convicted me. And I mean, I don't even spend it on meaningless social media. I mean, but even when I'm just like doing research on stuff, Outside of the Bible, God convicts me all the time of how much time I'm spending there. And it's, it's, it's revitalized my, how I spend my time during the day. And I pray for the convicting of Almighty God. The last verse, well, the last two verses say this. And this is how we're going to close. Also, the burnt offerings were in abundance with the fat with the peace offerings and with the drink offerings for every burnt offering. So the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. Then Hezekiah and all the people, verse 36. Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the events took place suddenly or so suddenly. You see, church, when you and I and anybody else that may be listening right now, when we make a determination as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's going to be a sanctified place. It doesn't mean that everybody goes around and we just hum Bible verses all day long, but it does mean it matters what we allow in our house especially the majority of the time, what we allow to influence us because whether you say, I don't pay any attention to it, it just plays in the background. Oh, your subconscious plays attention to it. 
And the devil loves that you believe that lie. Oh, I don't pay attention to it. It's paying attention to you. So I believe that right now in this place, that if the people that are here will make your mind, I'm not just going to walk around being saved. I, I want to be so set apart that the worst gang member in Scotland County will run across me and see me and know that I'm sanctified. No, no, that I'm not like somebody else that said they were a, a Christian. Know that. And I'm going to say this because this just came to me. I want you to stand up because you need a little bit of hope right now. So, but years ago, years ago, when Angie worked uh, at the school she worked at for 27 years, on more than one occasion, and she'd probably be uncomfortable with me saying this, don't matter, I got a mic right now. So, listen, many times people would come to her and that was, she wasn't the only pastor's wife there, but come to her and asking her for prayer. And she wasn't the only one, and she wasn't the only person that claimed to be a Christian. I say that to make this point right here. When people know that you never play around with your walk with God and you've got the goods and you mean business all the time, not just when you're up here shining. You mean business when you don't have a microphone. You mean business when there ain't nobody but God watching you. Then people know it and people want something out of what you have. So I believe when we get sanctified, Oh, my goodness, through and through, church. I believe we are on the threshold of God doing something suddenly in this church, God doing something suddenly in your life, God doing something suddenly in the circle around us, in our family, where we work at, at the schools out here. I'm telling you, God is moving, and the only thing that I can see is us just taking out a little bit of trash right now to speed the process up. It might not be seven days worth. It might just be one thing that the Spirit of God's been dealing with you about or will deal with you about. Take it out. Take it out. Get rid of it. The Bible says if a man, hallelujah, has to cut his arm off just to be able to make it in this life, cut it off because it's better to enter that place without an arm than to die and go to hell with both your arms. So take out the trash, church. It's been dirty long enough. It's, it's been included with everything else long enough. Set yourself aside. Set your family aside. Set your walk aside. Be different. Be holy. Be sanctified. And watch what God does in your life. Before we end our broadcast today, I just want to ask you a simple question. Do you know Jesus Christ? Not do you go to church, not do you have a cross in your home, but do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, meaning that you realize you were born into a world of sin and you are a sinner and you violated the law of God and you've stored up wrath. And for that, you feel bad and so bad that you've asked him to forgive you and you've changed your way of living to reflect following Christ. If you haven't done that, that's exactly what this entire broadcast is about. It's not about a bunch of people or a bunch of money 
or attending our church, but it's asking you this question. Are you ready to meet the Lord face to face and give an account for your life? If you have not done that or you're not sure, we need to pray right now. And the prayer doesn't have to be a lengthy prayer or an intelligent prayer, but it has to be a prayer of faith from your heart. And you have to pray. You can pray in your own words, but you must realize during the course of your prayer that without the forgiveness of God Almighty, that there is no way you'll have peace with God now or for all eternity. So I want to pray for you. God, I pray for every person listening right now. Lord, that they would understand that it's not your will for any to perish, but for all to have everlasting life. And I'm asking you, oh God, to help my friends right now that may be praying to know that you are waiting. You stand at the door. You said in Revelation 3, you stand at the door and knock. You're waiting on us, Lord. And help them to know, Lord, when they call on you, that they can be saved and they will be saved when they pray from their heart and they make up their mind that they're going to follow you. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, and you meant it from your heart, you are now a child of the Most High God. Not only do you have an advocate, not only do you have a friend right now that sticks closer than a brother, but you've got the hope of heaven one day. And for that, I am so glad. If you prayed that prayer today, why don't you just take just a moment, if you don't mind, and uh, reach out to us at multitudeschurch.com forward slash uh, saved, S-A-V-E-D. Or you can send us the, a text that just says saved to 910-400-1199. That's the word saved to 910-411199. Listen, we'd like to help you out on your journey and there's no strings attached. We just want you to know we're trying to finish our course and fulfill the Great Commission and you're part of that. So let us pray for you. And if you have any kind of prayer request, why don't you uh, share that with us? Uh, we will not reach back out to you and ask you for anything, uh, but you're welcome to email us and let us know what your prayer need is right now. And that's just a simple email uh, to prayer at multitudeschurch.com. Thank you again for being a part of our broadcast. And we look forward to seeing you in heaven one day for all eternity. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church or to watch entire services, please visit us online at multitudeschurch.com. You can also find us on most social media platforms.